DJ Simulationistas. So, with Dr. D, Dan Raymer, and Dr. J, Janice Palaganis, coming at you from the Center for Medical Simulation in Boston, Massachusetts. So buckle up your mannequin, and let's roll. Welcome to DJ Simulation is to sup. You're here with Janice Pelaganis. And Dan Raymer. Sup, Janice. What's up, Dan? This is our second to our last episode together for DJ Simulationistas. So I'm a little, uh. Don't make me cry. Should I start crying now? <laughs> no. I've been talking to a lot of my friends who have retired and, you know, my parents that are retired. And, and there's one theme that I'm really recognizing in this retirement community. And it's that they worry a lot. I don't know. There's something about retirement. All of a sudden, just start worrying about things that, like, I don't know, I wouldn't normally worry about. So I thought, since you're entering this new phase of worry, a worryful life, I thought maybe we can talk about sim worries so that when you are worrying about daily worries, that you can remember, oh, well, at least I don't have to worry about these things, right? So I've brought to our conversation today, worry dolls. I have one, two, three, four, I have six worry dolls. And you are going to assign a worry to each of these worry dolls. Oh my God. You're around simulation. little dolls. This is... Yeah, they're worry dolls. And you stash them away. They're like meant for worrying, you know? This is a very cute plan. And I appreciate you being so innovative. But there are a few fundamental problems. I dropped a worry. Your first premise that all of us people entering retirement are worried is a false one. Uh, I'm not worried. What I'm not worried about retirement. I just noticed that they worry about things, like things that you wouldn't even think about typically, well, like like faucets and someone's birthday and how to plan some trip that and like the details of the trip that it's like, why don't you just go? <laughs> I, I don't particularly have those kinds of worries. All right. Can you play with like, me for this one, though? Like if the faucet doesn't work, I fix the faucet. I know. Okay. So so I need to I need to behave and I will go along with this worries about simulation. All right, this is the first worry doll. Uh-huh. So so What is uh, your worry? So the, so the biggest worry, so we'll call that the biggest worry doll. Um Oh, is, then I should find the biggest worry doll. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You got it? Yeah, it's a it's a guy actually. It's male look. Oh well that's probably fitting. Uh, <laughs> because the biggest worry is that simulation will plateau and then decline because of the expense of educating people in a dynamic way. 
new modalities of learning and the new generation who um, doesn't seem to go to school anymore. They just look at their phones all the time. I have to say I'm becoming part of that generation. It learns on the fly and describes meaning to things they learn in a very different way. And so it's possible that we are blind to the decline of simulation because it seems like it's expanding and growing and has more applications, but maybe we'll be surprised to find that it gets supplanted by other modalities that in our mental model of simulation we're not prepared to deal with. So that's, I think, the biggest worry is that it's time passes and we're blind to it. So wouldn't you think virtual simulation or augmented reality would replace, which is a form of simulation, would replace simulation as we know it today? Sure. The, the one thing about being old that is advantageous, there's only one thing, I think, um, and, and that is that you've lived through the surprises of the development of life and realize that you didn't predict them. You didn't imagine them. You imagined something quite different. So I didn't imagine the the cell phone, for example, or the, you know, the, the handheld computer device that would so change the way we live. I didn't envision that. So you're asking me to what what I see in the future, and I'm just saying the biggest worry is that that's dangerous because I could be so wrong because I'm I'm blind to the future as we all are blind to the future, and so that's the biggest worry. So the biggest worry is surprises in simulations future that might actually disrupt simulation. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to put this worry guy aside so you can no longer worry about him. I'm going to stash him into the worry box. Okay. Okay. Worry number two. Ah, so that worry doll, the green worry doll. Yeah. The The thing that I worry about is that we inadvertently hurt people. And you know, I've you know, been involved with Ann Mullen and in forming the Foundation for Healthcare Simulation Safety. And there, you know, we hear lots of anecdotes of near misses and some injuries, but I fear that something really bad is going to happen in simulation and it's going to really damage the credibility of the technique. Um, yeah, thing, I worry thing, about that too. The thing I most worry about is someone conducting, in a well-meaning way, some sort of active shooter drill, and some bystander is going to not appreciate that it's a simulation and think they're going to be a hero and winds up shooting one of the simulation people. Um, or one of the learners. Mm-hmm. It just it just seems like a really dangerous undertaking, and the this you know very foggy gray area between 
simulation and real life is one that we don't have a complete handle on. And so sometimes those two worlds cross each other in ways, again, that we're blind to. And I just fear that something really bad is going to happen. Yeah, all it takes is one awful event that could really disturb everything that we've moved forward in simulation. So, yeah, yeah, we worry about that. That's why your foundation is so important. Number three. Yes. Number three. I can't tell. I think it's a dress. (laughs) Well, I I worry that the number of people doing simulation is going to greatly exceed the capacity of places who do instructor training to educate the educators in a constructive way. I think there's so many things that are a little bit wrong and a little bit toxic in healthcare education and that people have tolerated and learned those techniques. And I fear that they will prevail over much better methods that have been Uh, developed and promulgated by a number of organizations, including ours, but the sheer number of people out there is going to overwhelm the impact that the Educate the Educators world can manage. And so I just, Mm. I just worry that, you know, we've, we've got these great ideas and concepts that really make education more effective and more humane and that they will lose out. It's, I mean, isn't that the problem we face with the students at the student level? Educating as many, for example, I'm thinking of nursing, particularly educating all nursing students, which is a unbelievably overwhelming number. Yes. And it just seems like at every level that's overwhelming. And, uh, and nursing colleges historically have been underfunded and so their faculty development is underfunded and the number of nurse educators that get out there and learn these new techniques is overwhelmed by the masses who don't have the funds to be educated about their education and and you know it extends to the leadership too that if that becomes acceptable and the educators, the leaders of the education world aren't sophisticated in their learning about stimulation and experiential learning, then the status quo will win out very worrisome. So interesting. So Julie Maxworthy and I just wrote a chapter in Mastering Simulation called um, Using Simulation for Continuous Learning Systems and how to embed simulation throughout the entire system from pre-licensure education to post-licensure to practice and in administration as well and systems testing. So I, I guess I have a little hope there if it's embedded and not its own funding. I mean, I share, I share that. It's overwhelming. Yeah. And, and then, you know, from the educator level, you're getting, you're feeling overwhelmed in two areas, which is 
the number of students or people that you need to train, the actual simulation management and costs, and then also your own education. And the one that usually suffers is your own education. <laughs> okay, I'm going to put it I'm going to put that one in a special bed in my little stash here. Like that's uh-huh. that's going to be a I'm pay particular attention to that one for you, okay, Dan? Actually, my optimism is people like you and the many other nursing leader people. Kate Morse just left our organization to become a nursing leader. There are others out there who've taken our courses, and I'm just hopeful that seeding that world of leadership will defend against the sheer numbers that push in the other direction. Thanks to you, Dan Raymer. (laughs) (laughs) Are you ready? Yeah. Number four. Yeah. Oh, that's a cute little doll. Do these actually inspire you to think of something? Not really, but not uh, not really. Although I do, (laughs) I do play with dolls for uh, as a profession. I've dedicated the best twenty twenty five years to to, to playing with dolls. So I guess my next worry is the real power of simulation in my experience, and the thing that has thrilled me the most is the diversity and bringing together the people and ideas and points of view from that diversity that simulation offers. You know, I was in a medical specialty for the first part of my career, and it was you know, very confining in a way. I don't think I appreciated it at the time. I certainly didn't. But then, you know, when I got involved in simulation and started working with other specialties and other disciplines and other countries and uh, other modalities of simulation, all of that diversity really struck me as being the kind of magic bullet to change healthcare for the for the better. You know, simulation offers that promise, and you know, I, I, you know, we've talked many times in the last uh, few years. I've been heavily involved in our operating room simulations, and uh, and they're just amazingly valuable, only because people from the different specialties and discipline, even within the operating room, finally get a chance to talk together about working together. And yet, in spite of that success, uh, financial pressures and people's time, you know, the the program seems like it could unravel. (laughs) And so, Mm -hmm. you know, that beautiful promise of simulation bringing people together and that beautiful thing that has happened that the simulation community has remained diverse and the SSH society gets together with people from all walks of simulation life. There's still a chance that, as David Gaba likes to say, there'll be balkanization and 
one discipline, one specialty, one area will run off and form their own, and pretty soon everybody will form their own, and there won't be any more diversity. There'll only be homogeneity. And and so mm. I, I I worry that the very nature of the beautiful thing that we've created is unstable. <laughs> and, and that you know, it's just held together by external forces and people appreciating the value of that. But there are very strong forces in the world that uh, could make that explode. And and mm-hmm. uh, and so, you know, that's that that that's certainly a worry. I mean, that hits me on so many levels with the with cultural diversity as well as with interprofessional diversity and and so I'm going to put that one too in a little special place cuz yeah I'm going to be paying attention to that. You know, and you and I, I mean, just just think how how incredibly lucky we are. A, a few nights ago, we had a visitor from from Germany. I realized he has been a friend of mine for, you know, a really big part of my life, you know, like in years. And I invited him to my house. He was touring the United States with his family. And I realized I had met his wife a couple of times and my wife had met him and his wife. And it was like we were one. <laughs> it was a. It was just such a fun evening. And it was so wonderful for his kids to see that and to realize that they had friends mm-hmm. in a different country. And and you you and I have traveled to so many different countries doing stimulation educator courses. Just think of all the friends that we've made and connections we have with people and their cultural the beauty of their cultural of their cultures and the cultural differences that that we have. It's just, it's just really so special, and we're just so lucky to have experienced that. And you know, there's there's a chance that people in the future won't be so lucky and uh, won't have that opportunity, and that they'll take healthcare with I, them. So <laughs> I need to understand this further. So I mean, because I I feel like I'm a a native to the magnetism of having a common interest that bridges diversity. And so, example, with simulation, you can, if you're a simulation center there, you just become a natural hub for interprofessional activities because everybody wants to do simulation. And you're afraid that that magnetism will flip in some way? Yeah, it, it could easily flip where where simulation changes in such a way that each department, each specialty has its very own simulation. And because simulation will become less expensive and more online and more easily steered, that magnetism to bring people together will give way to practicalities and to the natural, you know, tribalism that Mm -hmm. exists in people. And that this beautiful thing of bringing people together and celebrating and recognizing their diverse point of views will pass by the wayside. 
I mean, it's happening, you know, and on lots of levels, this tension between tribalism and community exists in our societies and politics and business and healthcare is no exception. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope it doesn't happen because I've learned so well that people from every corner of that diversity have great hearts and care about what they're doing and are, you know, intelligent, thoughtful, and uh, trying to do their very best. And they have so many things like that in common. And, and so I hope it doesn't happen that, that that gets wasted. I guess I have I have more hope in it because even though there is tribalism and the human nature of tribalism, there's still the global need for communication between tribes um, to be able to function in this world. And I think that that will probably never go away. And I'm hoping that simulation will still be a magnet or a venue for a lot of those uh, hubs of communication. I hope so too. What are we on? We're at four. Now we're at five. Like you're the, the four you've talked about is all about the future. And I want to bring it to today. And it would be cool to be like, Oh, Dan Raymer still worries about this and I'm worrying about it and it's okay. Well, I think we all worry on a day-to-day basis about being appreciated. And so being appreciated, it means lots of things. So certainly being, uh, uh, you know, paid for our, for our efforts, being recognized for making a contribution, being appreciated by individuals with respect to how we treat them. There, there's so many ways that, that, we all seek some sort of feedback from our colleagues, from our bosses, from the public, from everyone we deal with to tell us in some way that they appreciate what we're doing. And, you know, it certainly depends on us doing good things, which I think Generally, people in simulation, you know, are trying very hard to do. It requires that we do Mm -hmm. it well with quality. And so I think, you know, there are lots of things that uh, we've all put in place, things that you've done around uh, certification and accreditation, uh, educator, train the trainer kinds of activities, uh, publications, uh, all of those things help to build and maintain quality. And, you know, if that happens, then there's a tendency for people to show some appreciation. I, I think it I think it also does I require a lot of work and I do worry that people won't do the kind of work necessary to mm. ensure that recognition. Mm-hmm. So, so things like promotions you know is simulation activity mm-hmm. recognized in a fair way for promotions and and that actually requires a lot of work people need to volunteer to be on promotions committees and 
when the criteria start to change, they need to speak up for simulation. And, you know, how are we going to deal with the educator in our midst who's written, you know, lots of Mm -hmm. beautiful scenarios? Is that like publishing a paper or writing a book chapter? Or is it like, you know, what's it, what's it equivalent to? Getting that appreciation you know, requires and it acqu- work it requires recognition, and I think that's that's the big thing too. Is if there's no recognition, it really hits at motivation. Getting our educators to continue doing what they're doing. I, I guess the worry is that there are lots of people out there who are just working so hard, doing all the right things in simulation and experiential learning. Um, you know, as educators, and nobody's patting them on the back. Nobody recognizes yeah. what they're doing, and they feel it, and they get they get despondent. And say, you know, <laughs> maybe I'll take that job in the lab. That's a that's an important worry. I am tucking that one away, and you have one last one, Dan. I thought there were five. There's six. So what worry? Will you no longer have to worry about in your retirement that you have been worrying about for years in your career in simulation? I guess the thing that I worry about that I won't have to worry about so much anymore, I suppose, is mentorship. You know, it's always been a struggle for me to mentor Mentor Janice Pelagannis. Like Janice, (laughs) there are others. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm really very good at it, uh, in some ways. Oh my gosh. Um, in some (laughs) ways I am. Wow. Yeah. In some ways I am, but, but in some ways I've never, I've never really learned the art of letting go and letting other people, you know, do a debriefing uh, on their own without, without me. You That's know, so funny. Opening my mouth and taking it over, and you know, I, I just no. just not good at that. You are at, okay. You are so wrong about this. I mean, you're right. You are on the polar ends of of that particular topic. I mean, if you're in the room, you do take over, but then your way of stepping away is just not even being in the room and just being there right. to listen. I mean, you you provide the independence and. That's valuable for me. I mean, there's so much that you've done that could dispute that right there in a really wonderful way, at least for me. You know, maybe it varies from person to person, but I, I do feel like I've let some people down and who expected to learn more from me and from my experience. And I, I guess I worry that I'm not paying attention to that or I'm not doing it right or I'm not doing it well enough or that I'm impatient or, you know, those sorts of things. I guess I won't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> that is true. You don't have to worry about it anymore. And I could probably uh, the, the, the write part, an entire I... speech on how you're wrong about that. But... <laughs> well, but that's... Even I get if it I'm though. Wrong I get it. it. I get I, it. I've never been. I've never been wrong. But um, even if I were <laughs> wrong about this, um, I truly worry about it. No, I know. I worry it, about it too. It, it, I, you know, I worry it, about it so much that I don't even 
want to do it sometimes. Yeah. Because it is, you know, I feel like we've, we've had this nice generational shift where I'm starting to feel like my golden days of being a, a sponge to everyone's mentorship. I now need to be the mentor. And I just, I'm not sure I could do it the way you guys have done it. And, and I, I worry about it too. So I, I get what, I get what you're saying. And yes, you won't have to worry about it so much <laughs> any longer, at least in simulation. So I'm hearing you describe yourself as a, as getting to be an old lady, which is I know, right? For me. It's, I know. Wow. <laughs> Thanks for mentoring <laughs> me and allowing me to yeah. experience that. Maybe we can meet in a nursing home someday. <laughs> <laughs> We could we could run the simulation center at the nursing home, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> By the time you get there, I'll be two hundred years old. All right, Dad. Well, thank okay, you for well, sharing your worries. I'm going to tuck these away. I'm going to put them in a really safe place. It is for us, the listeners, me, the rest of CMS, to take on your worries. Well, you deserve to be worry free in this world. So, thank you. Thank you, Janice. DJ Simulationistas, sup? Is brought to you by the Center for Medical Simulation. Find out more about CMS and learn about our simulation instructor training and course offerings at www.harvardmedsim.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.